Man, I just love that intro. I just can't get enough of it. Good afternoon, good morning, good evening, all you wonderful people out there in internet listening land. This is Coach Dre Blash, the chef, with the recipe menu Mondays. I'm flat out excited. I am traveling. I have been in my hometown of uh, Louisville, Kentucky for the last few days. And uh, it has been it has been an absolutely eye-opening experience to see all the changes and all the growth uh, that has happened in this city. Uh, seeing some family members I haven't seen in decades, not years, we're talking decades. And got an opportunity really just to fellowship and learn some great chefs while I was out here. Uh, shout out to, to, to Chef P, who's, who is semi-retired. I'll tell you a little bit more about him. He's an incredible celebrity chef here in the uh, Louisville, Kentucky area. So, thank you guys for being on here. I hear is it, it, it is 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 that uh, is that the voice with the most that's in this room with us today? Is that Miss Colette? Are you in the room with us today? <laughs> yes, I'm in the room with you today. So, how are you, Mister Blessing Gang? Man, I am doing absolutely fantastic. Thank you for joining today. Oh, thank That's you. That's a pleasant thank surprise. Well. I can listen to your voice all day. I'm excited. <laughs> I'm excited. We're about to have an outstanding show. I'm yes, so yes, humbled. Yes. I'm so humbled, <laughs> and I am so glad that you are here, and you make it all worthwhile. You make my Monday, so thank you, Chef. <laughs> outstanding. Well, thank you. And, and, of course, we got the Hendrix. Yes, Kenny. indeed. In I, am in, I am in the house. Man, I appreciate it. I didn't, I didn't have co-hosts, but as much as they have been helping me build this thing, I feel like I got co-hosts on here. They might oh, be a permanent you, you staple, and they don't hey, even know it. You, you can do it all by yourself. <laughs> you got it going on, as they say. <laughs> Outstanding. All right, good people. You know me. I don't like to beat around the bush. I'm hope I'll go ahead and hop into it. Uh, today's episode of the Recipe Menu Money Mondays is sponsored by BCA Global. BCA Global is reimagining racial equity in the culinary and food service space. BCA Global empowers the BIPOC, which is the Black Indigenous People of Color, in the food industry through a framework of mindfulness, sustainability, social justice, and food sovereignty. It helps forge meaningful connections to further our vision of a beloved community. And that is our sponsor for today, bcaglobal.org. Go check them out. Uh, I am a, 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 a participating member in that, and uh, it's something that's near and dear to my heart. People that may be listening for the first time, you know, I'm a chef. I'm a chef by trade, and I've had an opportunity in the last 27 years to cook all over the world and cook for many different people and, you know, become a world food champ and a Texas super chef and all these great accolades. Been on TV and cooked for some uh, uh, top-end people. Um, I'm waiting on my invite from the White House. I know it's going to come sooner or later. You know, I put it on my goals list. If anybody knows anything about goals, by 2020, I mean, by 2030, you know, uh, you'll see me in the White House in some way, shape, form, or fashion. Definitely not the president, though. They can have that, you know. Um, I don't want Secret Service with me 24 hours a day for the rest of my life. But uh, for those of you that aspire to do that, put it on your goals list and make it happen. So um, today, today's discussion is going to be about uh, mindful eating for the beloved community. Now, mindful eating for the beloved community, once again, like I told you, I'm a chef, um, is one of the cohorts that I am a part of um, with... Um, with BCA Global. And with BCA Global, what we do is we're really bringing to the forefront the understanding of the BIPOC community and how it relates to food service. Um, there's been a lot of injustice that has happened over the years. We have been definitely put aside. We've been overlooked. And we've been in an industry that has been predominantly ran by white males. If you think about more of the wealthier more apparent, even celebrity chefs that you see out there, most of them are, you know, white males. Now, to my white males that taught me <laughs> almost everything that I knew, you know, uh, I, I, this is not a shot and this is not a race conversation, but it is a conversation about 
looking over the underprivileged and the underserved. See, in the space that I'm in, I'm a rare commodity, a chef that actually has surpassed a lot of his mentors to go on to do great things. People like a Michael Samuelson, you know, there's some people of color in there, uh, Iran, you know, that's on Food TV Network, uh, Chef Rhonda Pratt, you know, uh, my boy Troy over in Dallas, you know, there, there's some people out there that have had an opportunity to overcome, but we're in such a minority, it, it, it becomes difficult to really go to the next step. You know, it's, it's difficult in the food space because we don't have any billionaire chefs in the food space now, white or black. So that means there's a huge opportunity for an increase in, in, in building that, right? And people take for granted the kind of knowledge a real chef has when it comes to food and understanding how it produces and processes in the body. A lot of times we don't just come up with menus that are just good and tasty because that's what people want. Of course, you know, people want uh, people eat with their eyes and then their taste buds uh, confirm what their eyes see. Right. So in the chef space, a lot of times we get overlooked because it's the way this country is built. And it's been like that. The people in charge, they, they, they control the mainstream. They control the media. Well, I'm here to tell you that most of the food that's here in the United States, and this is going to come a shocker to some, and it's going to be truth to many, none of it is from here. Unless you're Native American, all the food that is here and recipes were imported from another country. You know, case in point, like yams and okra, they don't grow here naturally. A lot of people don't know that, Right. Those were imported. Those came over with the slaves on the ships, you know, as they were taken in. And because it doesn't grow here, it has been adopted as if it was something that was a mainstay. You know, it's a Southern staple or Southern cuisine. No, it's a Black cuisine. It's an African cuisine that was brought over here through the ancestors and over time. And so the American way of food and culture was created from overseas. Even when you go with the, you know, the French or the English, um, most, of, not most, all the ancestors of my white brethren are from overseas. So all their food was brought over here. So in America, we really don't have an original food idea. We have in a culture. And it's a melting pot. And as chefs, you've got to expand your mind to be that melting pot to talk to all. And a lot of times it's just not taught. Us as chefs, especially of color, we have to learn a lot of these things on our own. We take our grandmama's recipe and we make it culinary greatness, right? Because grandma's recipe was great. And then we take it up to the next level with, you know, with plating and understanding the ingredients and paying attention to calories and et cetera, et cetera. So in the food space, um, back to the mindful eating for the beloved community. If you know anything about, you know, Martin Luther King and, and, and his vision of the beloved community without men created equal, we take it up to the next level because mindful eating is not just food that you consume, it's food that you absorb in the mind, right? And a lot of times people don't realize that food is that kind of impactful and powerful in your life because we all eat. Even the hungry eat, even the starving and desolate get some form of nutrition from somebody. And what you put in your body is an, is a, an excellent reflection of who you are as a person, your demeanor. See, food can bring you up and it can take you down. It's no different than taking a, a, a medicinal drug or a recreational drug. It has those same effects as if you, if you eat too much, you get what they call the itis. Right. If you eat too little, you're going to not have enough fuel to continue. You're going to feel tired. You're going to feel sluggish. You know, you're not going to be able to operate at your full capacity. And so you 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 have to understand that mindful eating isn't just what you put in your body. It's what you put in your mind. And so I'm going to talk a little bit more about what you put in your mind. And, uh, you know, Colette and Kenny, if you if you guys want to chime in on what I've just said, you know, I'd learn to have your feedback because I know we've got a few decades of, of, of years in learning and eating difference between us, I would definitely love to hear you guys' feedback since you're in here on the show about mindful eating and the food portion, because I'm going to talk a little bit today about the mind. Well, I'd like to say something, Andre, 
And one is my mother taught us years ago that eating and what we eat, what we consume is extremely important. So back in the 60s, my mother stopped eating meat. She stopped eating red meat back in the 60s. I stopped eating red meat in 1974 and completely in 1984. And I have not even come that close to red meat since 1984. I don't touch red meat. In fact, if I don't know what it is, I don't touch it, no matter where I am. And one of the things that people really need to understand is that food is who you are. I know vegans who profess to be vegans, but they eat a multitude of processed food, boxed food, and no fresh food, processed and boxed, but they're vegan. So with the state that we're in presently, people really need to be cognizant of what they're eating. People need to be cognizant of what they're putting into their bodies because there are so many people that don't want to get vaccinated. What are you going to do? Say you're not going to get vaccinated and run up to Mickey D's? Come on. We got to do better than that. Facts. Got to do better than that. So just like music, Food is a healing source. Music is a healing source. And remember, we have meetings all day long. What is the first thing we do at a meeting? Eat. It doesn't matter where the meeting is or what we're doing. We have meetings at restaurants. We have lunch meetings. We have dinner meetings. We have midnight meetings. And they're all around food. Every time. All the time. Food, because food becomes that important. Remember, we go to meetings at Starbucks. We go to meetings at Papa Do's. We go to meetings at the Cheesecake Factory, at the Steakhouse, wherever it's good, because it brings people together. When we have parties, when we are celebrating, it brings people together. The holidays, food brings people together. So when people don't really take into consideration what they are consuming and what they put in their bodies, they need to think again. I'd like to piggyback on that. Um, you know, Colette's absolutely right. What you put in your body means a lot. And in our community, we don't, generally speaking, we don't have good eating habits. And our and there were certain things that our ancestors were forced to eat. But we don't have to eat those things anymore. Those things are not healthy. All the fat. Uh, all of the greasy things, all the fried food, uh, all those sorts of things that many of us continue to eat are not, are not healthy. And we need to look at that. And again, like Colette says, it talks about who you are. When you're putting junk into your body, you know, there's a saying in, um, the computer world, garbage in, garbage out. Okay. So as, as you're eating bad food, then how can you expect uh, to do good things and be a good person because you've got all this bad stuff going into your body. Bad stuff is going to come out in, it's going to man- manifest itself in any number of ways. So eating, yes, it's important. You know, cooking for, and I love to cook, by the way, Andre, and I love to cook. Cooking is love. You, It brings people together. But you have to take into consideration um, what you're eating and, and be careful about what you eat because, again, garbage in, garbage out. That's truth. That's truth. I mean, it's it's breaking bread is what is 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 the most common term used, and that's what world leaders do with one another. That's what new family members do with one another. It's very rare that you know um, when you when you go to propose to a girl, right? When you go to meet their parents, it's very rare that you just meet them in the park or meet them in their living room. Yeah. There's usually food involved. Yeah, you usually absolutely. have dinner. Right. You know, even if it's a formal dinner at a restaurant or if if you cook for them and ask them to come to your house and vice versa. You know, I think one of the only meetings that doesn't really involve food in the beginning is the golf meetings on the golf course. Sure. You know? Well, 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 after you, after, you, after, you, after you golf, after you golf, after you yeah. golf, you go to the clubhouse yeah. and have yeah. lunch. Yep. Yeah. And don't you know, forget, after but, church, after church, there's that Sunday dinner, that that always, famous, all too important Sunday dinner. Man, whether you go out to eat, whether grandma cooks, right. somebody That's goes right. to somebody's house, 
it's almost customary it across is. a lot of nationalities and a lot of yeah. ethnicities. It's not yeah. just a black thing. It is. Everybody yeah, does it's it's just what people do people in general it's not simply a black thing it's i went to church up here at watermark one sunday my daughter and i right off the 635 oh yeah watermark that's a huge church it's a huge church right after that those people flocked out of there and went to all the restaurants in the dfw metroplex and i thought wow really yes they everybody went to dinner and that church is predominantly white Everybody eats. Everybody. Food is a a more universal love language than love is in this day and age. Mm -hmm. It's a four-letter word that can bridge a gap and have great conversations Mm -hmm. start, Mm -hmm. you know, and and people can fight over some some, uh, conversations when it comes to food, right? Right. Right. So, so yeah. All right, people, so we go. Oh, go ahead, Colette. Why do you think there are no black restaurants or restaurant tours around the country and in in other parts of the country black folks leave either dallas or houston or atlanta and they rave about papados and papados is not an ethnic restaurant it's just a seafood restaurant that mm-hmm. black folks love so what is it about us that keeps us out of that industry and it is an industry it's a big industry what keeps us out of that industry and i know folks in california who do the small time burger stands and small time things but i don't think there's one black restaurant that has taken uh, a position and franchised across the country not one there's one black restaurant in California, in the Los Angeles area, and it's called Delicious. It's owned by Hispanic folks, and Black folks flock there like they don't have grandparents. And then there is, <laughs> what's the other restaurant, Kenny? Harold and Bell's. Harold and Bell's. And Harold they and sold Bell's. that and to somebody. I'm not sure who they sold yeah, it to. Yeah, Harold and Bell's is owned by the Korean people. Yeah, it's a Cajun Creole restaurant. Right, Cajun. And excellent, there, excellent food. Right. And there is uh, Doolin's, which I can't stand. That's the only Black-owned and operated restaurant or restaurateur probably in Southern California. That's it. Doolin's. And that's it. That's it. That's a, you know what, Click? That's a wonderful question that you brought up. Let's take a quick pause. Throw in a few commercials and do some states and identification for my oh, new listeners so they can know where to share people in. But we're going to come back and hop back into that question. That's a great question. Why are there not more black owned franchises or multi-unit restaurant restaurant tours that own their own restaurants as opposed to somebody else's concept? Yes. We'll be right back momentarily. Right. To the recipe menu Monday. Thank you for listening to the Intentional Talk Radio Network. You can catch us every Monday from 5 to 7 Pacific for Mindful Mondays with Dr. Corliss Bennett. Every Tuesday from 5 to 7 Pacific for Change Matters with Kenny Hendricks and Colette Williams. Every first and third Tuesday from 46 Pacific for Your Life, Your Health with Dr. George Bell. Every Wednesday from 4 to 5 Pacific for Conversations with Colette and Corliss. And every Sunday for Shining with Shondell with Shondell Wilhite. You are listening to the Intentional hey Talk Radio Network. Matters. It Have is a Monday, and you're listening lines. to Andre Blassingame, I mean the recipe. Radio. With so come on back. Thousands of people listening. Well, now is your chance. You can join us here at Intentional Talk Radio by hosting your own show. Bring your friends and your family. You might become the next Tom Joyner or The Breakfast Club. Call us. Drop us a line. Let's make it happen. That's Intentional Talk Radio Network, 214-919-5605.
or drop us a line at changematters99 at gmail.com. That's changematters99 at gmail.com. See you then. Hi, everyone. This is Yolanda Williams from Intentional Talk Radio Network. Are you a small, medium, or large business owner? Do you have a product or service and you would like to get the word out? Well, look no further. This is your place to advertise and communicate with your customers, community, even your family and friends. At Intentional Talk Radio, the cost to advertise is very affordable, more affordable than you may think. And why not? You've wanted to advertise on radio for a very long time. Now's your chance. Advertise with us at Intentional Talk Radio Network. We are online, live, streaming, and ready to help you become a household name. Remember, give us a call at 626-394-7012 or 214-919-5606. And remember, you can also send us an email at changematters99 at gmail.com. That's changematters99 at gmail.com. Give us a call. We will help you get there. And we're back with our host, Andre Blassingame, on Recipe, the Recipe, Menu Mondays. Andre. Yes, ma'am. Thank you. Let's get it going. Feeling your voice, man. Like I said, I can literally <laughs> listen to you intro me all day. You can just say like three <laughs> words, and I'm just like, oh, my God. I feel like I am president of the world right now. Oh, my God. It's awesome. It's just, I don't know. You know, you know it's just something that, you know, uh, I, I learned a long time ago. It's power in the name. Because, you know, you don't use your name as much as other people. I mean, you know, uh, this isn't a religious show, so don't nobody get, you know, offended. But I'm going to say what I believe. You know, Jesus didn't use his own name too often. <laughs> you know, I'm just saying the power came in when somebody else uses the name. Yeah. So you're so saying he I'm didn't saying. talk about himself in the third person? <laughs> right. No, he did not. You know, he, he, it, uh, last I checked, you know, in the scriptures, uh, the old scriptures, the King James, NIV, all the change, never heard him say, well, you know, in Jesus's day. In Jesus. You know, <laughs> yeah, right. I turned water into wine. <laughs> you know, you just, you, just, you just don't hear it, right? You just don't hear it. So, but welcome back to the Recipe Menu Mondays with Chef Coach Dre Blast in the building. I got the wonderful Colette and the and the rock star Kenny joining me on today's show. Um, so before we went to a break, we were we were having a conversation uh, about food and food bonding people together, right? And uh, you know the breaking bread and whether you believe Jesus Christ or not. Um, you know, the Last Supper was one of those great times to come together and discuss future plans, getting together, what's going to happen. I mean, sometimes you've got to tell people how they're going to act, you know, in the future when things change. You know, you're going to betray me and, you know, you're going to deny me, but you guys are going to go out and create something magical and phenomenal going forward. And so in in in, in segueing into that with the with people of color. Um, in our communities, Black people directly, um, Colette posed a great question about why aren't there more Black-owned chain restaurants in America? So this is a great question, and I've had this question several times, and the first thing I tell them, um, most people understand that in this country, there's been a generational wealth gap that is missing. It's the education and the 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 financial education piece that has been missing for you know centuries here in the United States. Black people are just now getting to the point of understanding how money works, not how to make money. That's never been a problem. Even when we were free to sharecroppers, that's why we you know have the lower quality clothing that's affordable for anybody now, um, the forefathers of the United States did not create that idea because they used all the best cotton that they took from the sharecroppers to create great clothing, right? And great clothing, you know, I'm talking about the ones that are better quality made, like your polos and, you know, uh, uh, your, your, your Giovanni's and, you know, those, those clothing lines that pride themselves on quality. Well, back in the day, Everybody was doing that, except for the people of color, because we got the leftovers. 
And we were so innovative that we took those leftovers and turned them into a whole nother culture of clothing, right? And you can see that culture of clothing all the time when you go into your your dollar stores and your family dollars because you know those are the cheaper line of clothing. Nothing wrong with it, but you know it's 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 a lower quality. You know the difference between buying quality and not buying quality. Mama talked about it all the time when I was growing up. You know, there's a difference between buying you know from Kmart and buying from Macy's. It just is, right? <laughs> it just is. There's a difference. So, so in the food industry, one of the things that has happened is that there hasn't been enough education on multiplying a single shop. Everybody in every city that has a, a, a Black population can know of one restaurant that they knew growing up that was there 35, 40 years, and you never heard them expand, 50 years, 60 years. Some still exist, right? Been around for a long time, but you never see a second location pop up. They were never taught expansion. They were never taught capital. They were never taught working with fellow business owners to put your resources together. So you don't have to take all your money out of one restaurant and put it into the second restaurant that potentially could could fail and you could lose all the reserve you have from the first restaurant. And the division is the second piece. And we're going to talk about both of these. The division is the second piece because Master back in the day, he it, it was a point to keep the house the house separate from the field and then keep the field separate in, in, in their mind of working together to overthrow them because that was an area of control. And they did the same thing with the food. They gave us the slot because they knew that the slot wasn't going to have the same nutrients of what they ate. And it was going to be more detrimental to our body. It was all a divine setup for us to not be successful going forward. We were meant to just be workhorses. We were meant to be a vehicle. We were meant to be, you know, a, a, a horse or oxen or a donkey or any other field animal that you use to plow a field. We weren't seen as human, human beings, right? I mean, three-fifths of a man. That means you're not a man. I mean, last I checked, human beings are 100% human, right? So the reason that there's not more Black-owned franchised or Black-owned chain restaurants is because they they're, they're, there's a generational gap of knowledge of working together for one because they divided us in the beginning and pulling our capital together to expand. Now, you can see a lot of people that have money, they'll open up one or two restaurants or, you know, I applaud people like, like Venus, Venus Williams. Venus Williams owns some Jamba Juices. You know, Rick Ross over in the hip-hop world, you know, he owns um, uh, a wing stop or thigh stop, whatever they call it at this day, these days, right? Um, and he's got a chain, but see that chain came from somebody else. Now it was smart to invest in it, but just think about if he would have invested in a very popular place like, well, we'll, we'll, we'll say Slutty Vegan in Atlanta, right? I got to go to uh, Slutty Vegan vegan restaurant uh, last Ooh, month. Yeah, or, Slutty Vegan. Yeah. Yeah, what when does I was she in Atlanta, have to have that name? You know what? That is her choice. But I have to admit, from a marketing standpoint, with the climate that we're in now, it was genius. Because most people have the same reaction that you have and still go try it. Because that's exactly what happened. I don't think <laughs> I could eat at a place that's called Slutty Vegan. When I say, when I say I'm not a I'm not a vegan, that food was incredible. I was, I was, I was, I wouldn't say I was blown away, but I was thoroughly surprised at the, the 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 quality of the service, in all honesty. Mm. You know, Black yeah. restaurants typically get the, the stigma of the food is great, service is terrible, right? Or yes. service is mediocre, or, you know, they don't care. Like, oh, my God, you get the biggest portion sizes on the planet, but then, you know, grandma with the fishnet is going to talk crazy to you. You know, you don't need that extra piece of fish, baby. What's wrong with you? You know, and and some of it, some of it is deserved. You know, some of that stigma. Okay. Yes, some of it is deserved. I'm not, I'm not taking that away. But when I walked into that restaurant, there was probably about ten people waiting. Right. Shout out to Slutty Vegan. I hope you hear this show. This is an endorsement, right? So they had about ten people waiting, and I was the next person up. I was, I was the only one up. Me and the missus. And so, you know, we walk up and, you know, there's there's hip hop music playing and having fun. And as soon as I walked in the door, they hit the um, 
the reggae air horn. And it was like, welcome to Slug Media. We're excited to have you. And, you know, uh, uh, you know, dance or turn up. I can't remember the exact verbiage, but they were playing a song that I knew. And so I started singing the song and dancing to the song kind of a little bit more to myself as I'm looking at the menu. And one of the cashiers about three windows down recognized, oh, go ahead, turn it. They turned the music up a little bit. They started singing. And then the entire staff, even the people back there cooking, began dancing and rejoicing that we were in there to order some food. When they saw you? When they saw me, because I was, I was, I was, it was just me and the missus. We were the only two that walked in. You're the, you're the, you are the celebrity. If you will, yes. Okay. And they didn't know me from anything. And it was like, I was like, this is how every restaurant should be with this kind of concept. You know, you can't do it in some of the upscale restaurants because, you know, people get offended easily. You know, we in a very touchy, um, I don't have thick skin, tough society right now. But anyway, they That's came it. in and, 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 uh, look at that hamburger, that burger. Look right? at that. Get out of here. Yes, it was exciting. And when you look at it, you know, it's like, eh, wow, you know, and, and, and the whole theme is around it. And she's been able to expand, open up a couple of food trucks. I think she has like three or four locations, you know, in Atlanta right now. And see something like this, that's when somebody like a Robert Smith should come in and partner with her to franchise yes. it all over. Yes. But we, we, yes. we don't think like that. Yes. Because we weren't taught like that. We were taught, I got to make it big and do it myself. It's yeah. kind of like the man yeah. of the house. I've got to go out and work and feed my family. I don't, I don't have a dream to pursue. I have a family to feed. And because they took that, that concept away, it's hard to expand and grow and take it to the next level and really see, you know, mindful eating for the beloved community really expand because what we're consuming is selfishness and not selflessness. I'm okay. saying it again from people in the cheap seats. We're consuming selfishness as opposed to selflessness. Yeah, I, I, tell I, people I, always, I have to agree. Yeah, you're you right. Know, and I tell people, this is, the, this is always my favorite example. I don't care what religion you are. I don't care what God you serve. I don't care what you believe in. Christ was the greatest team recruiter to ever walk this earth mm-hmm. because he knew he couldn't do it by himself. He yeah. took some guys that were his kinsmen that were of his same color, his same tr- uh, different tribes, but same lineage, same background and created a incredible organization. I'm going to call it that for keeping it non-religious purposes. Organization of almost 2 billion people in about 2,000 years just because he asked for their help and was willing to teach them. Mm -hmm. We worked together and and, and it turned into a big thing. See, we've got billionaires out there. We've got people making money in their lanes. See, it's time for them to come to the restaurant industry because there is not a billionaire in the restaurant industry. That is a color. That's not a billionaire. That's a color. Yes. Not a billionaire in the restaurant industry that's of color. Right. But now we've got billionaires in tech. We've got billionaires in television. We've got billionaires in music. You know, we've had billionaires in 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 uh, in a lot of different sects. And see, now food being 100% everybody's consumption, it's now it's time to us to become to work together to overcome that question you said, why is there not more? Because we've been thinking about being selfish. We haven't been thinking about working together. It hadn't been about community. It's about me, me, me to get where I need to go. Mm-hmm. And now we're getting to the point where we're understanding as a people that working together is how they did it. Working together is how the 1% controls this That's country. That's how they did it. Yes, yes. That's how they other communities their... continue to do it. Exactly, exactly. And I learned this from a great man one time. He said, I don't have to like you to make money with you. Mm-hmm. And they've learned that in their communities. Right, right. But because of that, they may not like you or stand for some of the things that you said, but I know in Texas, when you make money with somebody, they tend to put their differences to the side because they want to keep their legacy intact. And see, we mm-hmm. don't do that. Mm-mm. We don't forgive. 
and move on. Might not forget, but we don't forgive and move on. Colette, what are your thoughts on it? I think you're absolutely right. And as you say that, I think of people in Los Angeles, especially, who for a number of reasons, they blew up and so did the restaurant. One of them is Roscoe's House of Chicken and Waffles. He's got a place vacant as we speak on La Brea and I think Washington. And I think it's been in the construction phase for two years, maybe. And he has gone up and down and he gets involved with the wrong people and so on. So the building stands vacant. There is a chicken and waffles in Pasadena. There's one in Hollywood. There's one on Pico. But the one on La Brea, that's a fairly large operation. Well, the building is relatively large. It hasn't opened. It has not opened. And you're right. We are forgiving people, but we don't forgive, brush it off and keep building. We get pissed off. We say we forgive. And then everything else crumbles because we still hold we still hold a grudge. We're not accustomed and we're not built in the way that we can say, you know what, we're going to let this settle and we're going to continue to build. And we should all be able to let it settle, let it go and continue to build. That's how we mess up. That's how we mess up. And I, for one, I can say I'm done, I'm out. But then I have to rethink. I have to rethink the process And I know for the greater good, I can't do that. I just cannot do that. But we're going to have to make some changes. We're going to have to make some changes. They will be hard changes. We have got to change our own narrative. I had a conversation with a woman this morning about the tobacco industry. And the tobacco industry has been here longer than we have. And the tobacco industry makes money on us not on other folks, makes money on us. I'm naming communities in the Southern California area where there are no liquor stores. But in LA, you can bet your last penny. There are liquor stores everywhere because that's what Black folks do. They don't open restaurants. They They go to liquor stores. Black folks don't have banks. They bank at the liquor store. Black folks don't have schools. They go to the school at the liquor store. So we have got a narrative that we created. I don't think anybody created it for us. They laid the groundwork and we just built from it. We just kept it going. And I do believe that in the restaurant business, we've got great cooks such as you, Mr. Blassingame. We've got great, great cooks, but we don't do anything with that. Unfortunately, we don't do anything with that. And I'm a firm believer that there are a whole lot of folks that dribble balls that should be offering offering you $10 million to have a brick and mortar and start a franchise. I've done that, have they? Yep. I, mean, I need nope, to talk not to in, them. Not, not, in the, not in the world of us people of culinary. Right. There, there's maybe, we probably could do some research. I was looking at an article. There was a, uh, um, there was a Black-owned restaurant that was a, another vegan concept that had like eight stores. Um, but that was probably, that was the max and the vegan is just now becoming a popularity thing. You know, even though vegan has been around a long time, it's just now getting popular. And I saw that and was just like, well, you know, that means there's hope, <laughs> you know, and it's about changing the mindset. It, 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 it's really a hundred percent about mindset shift and change. Mm-hmm. We've got to change our stinking thinking as yeah. a, as, as, as one of my motivators would, would would tell me because we just feel it's like we feel so attacked by our own selves mm-hmm. that we don't get out of our own way no no and we don't want anybody to tell us anything they oh. know you can't tell me how you gonna tell me no you can't tell me yeah and we don't want to be told we don't want to be wrong We don't want somebody to make us think that we are lesser than or inferior. Because if somebody tells us something, it's going to be wrong and it's not going to be what I want. How do you know? How do you know? So we, we don't learn the lessons. 
we refuse to learn the lessons because we think the lessons are not for us. But look at where we are. If the lessons are not for us, then who are they for? Look Man, at where we are. We can definitely take it to that next level. We Absolutely. Could. The best leaders are listeners. So anybody that's listening to this, pass this on to the leaders you know that have the capital that want to invest. You've got people out there that, that, that want to, that really want to help our community with people of color to level the playing field. We're past the days of, of, of equality because we already know we're not going to get that unless we have the equity. I'm going to say that again. We're past the days of equality because we're not going to get it until we have the equity. Right. Skin in the game, as they would say. We yeah. got to have the dollars to back up making critical decisions and choices. Right. And so, it's Andre. It's all about the money. Andre, yeah. what's the difference between equality and equity? So, equality simply is being, the way that I define it is the way Martin defined it. Equality is having the same rights, the same, afforded the same opportunities being on the same level on more of a personal level than professional. And an example would be having the right to vote, having the right to get a driver's license, having the right to an education, right? Having the, the, the right to walk down the street and not be harassed. Those things that are, are equality driven for us to be on the same page. And I've learned in my day that you know, all human beings are equal, so it shouldn't even be a discussion. We're all human beings. We should all be afforded the same rights if we're born in a country or in a land or in a place. There shouldn't be a discrepancy between, you know, women get certain things and men get certain things, or women can't, you know, go these places. Black people can't eat here, or they're looked at wrongly. So having equality is being on the same playing field, being an equal, a CEO and a CEO of regular work and a regular worker. Equity is having the ability to make decisions with capital that will shape a nation, a community, a group of people in your home. So I'm going to take it to my people, you know, that, that run their homes, whoever the head of the household is, whether it's the father, whether it's the mother. See, the mother is the equity. The children don't get equality. It has to be earned. It has to be taken up the chain. They're equal in the sense of basic human rights, but they don't have the equity in the game to make true decisions about where they live, what electric provider uh, to, to, to use, what car to buy, because they don't have the capital to make those decisions. And when you don't have the capital to make those decisions, the people with capital is not going to give you the equality, which is why it's been so difficult for so many years for Martin Luther King's dream to really come to fruition, because we were protesting, we were fighting, we were taking the lumps and being bit by dogs and, and, and being hit with, with you know, uh, fire hoses and things of that nature because we didn't have the equality nor the equity to really have change. Now, we had some good presidents out there that actually listened to the people every once in a while. You protest enough, you make enough noise, you cause enough things, they, they will give a face of equality like Sure, you can vote for 25 years, and then 25 years, we're going to um, vote again if you can vote for another 25. But if we had if we had 10 people, or we'll just say five people, that were on the same level as the top five billionaires in the world, if we had a, a Black Jeff Bezos, if we had a Black Warren Buffett, if we had a Black... Uh, um, um, Bill Gates, if we had some of those people in the top, then we would have equity to make these these changes. And we don't. Even in the Senate and in the House, people of color are still the minority and also the most underpaid. And because Andre. we don't have that equity, it right. makes it difficult to get laws pushed through in our favor or in the favor of the people because most of the laws that we are fighting for is the favor of the people like wow. it's not excluding white people it's making everybody inclusive and we shouldn't have to fight to make everybody inclusive when the only people being excluded is the people of color 
Mm-hmm. What were we going to say, Colette? You just hit on something that I wanted to talk about, and that is you're talking about voting. Why are Black folks taking it in such a personal fashion? Why is it personal to us? Because they're talking about voter suppression. That not only suppresses the vote in the Black community, it suppresses the vote across the entire country. But they're only Mm -hmm. worried about the Black vote. So Mm -hmm. we take this issue personally. The the lawmakers went to D.C. They took that bus to D.C. Some of them have been arrested. Of course, they've been released. But it's personal for us. It's personal for us. We take it personal. And we make it an issue about us. I haven't seen Mexicans do that. I haven't seen anybody else do that but us. Just us. And it's personal for us. So they're trying to stop us from voting. They're trying to get us from having somebody bring a bottle of water while waiting in the line to vote. They're talking about polls being shut down. They're talking about having fewer polls in neighborhoods. And and we take it personal because we know that's going to impact us. We know that's going to impact us. They haven't said that, but we know that is going to impact us. And my question again, why? Mm, That's powerful. Why? That's powerful. When you look at all of the things that we have fought against, and now we're going to have to even fight again to keep voting rights in the Black community? Why do we have to ask for permission to vote every few years? Every 25, 50 years, we've got to take it back to the table, put it back on the table. Does that mean we'll never, ever become equal? We'll never get out of slavery? Even though we know we're no longer slaves, we're still enslaved, especially when it comes to the mindset, especially when it comes to shut up and dribble. So, okay, so I, I'm, I'm kind of like, what are we doing here? What are we doing? We need to have people that say, wait a minute, we need our own communities. We need our own communities. This is not working and hasn't worked in a hundred years. We had Tulsa was bombed and burned. 130 people lost their lives. It's too late. We're not getting anything. We need to change our own trajectory. We need to change this today. But we've got folks who make millions of dollars what is Michael Jordan? A billionaire. He don't even know us. He's married to a white woman. He don't know us. He don't know us. And he would not invest in any black business. Of course, there are those that say, yes, he has. Really? And and even though we talk about Beyonce, I looked at the list of people that have been awarded money from, okay, awarded money from, Beyonce and from Goldman Sachs, all of the money that they have put in has gone to the East Coast, the East Coast. And why? Why? Come on. We don't have answers for any of this. We don't have answers. And we've got to stop this We've got to stop this. Michael Jordan, 1.6. Robert Smith, 6 billion. That's uh, in Africa. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Now, the, now, now, the one thing with Jordan, uh, I can say is there's two things that he has done recently um, that has been, I don't think it's been taking advantage of in the Black community. He plans to give $100 million to Black-owned and minority-owned business for growth. And then the uh, money that he spent to start a majority black owned team in NASCAR. So if you know anything about NASCAR, 
uh, NASCAR is the, the top entity, but all the teams, all the teams are individual. Yeah. Right. The team, the teams are not owned by NASCAR, but NASCAR, just like being in the NBA or the NFL, you own the team, but you still got to do what mm-hmm. the big company says. So his goal is to have this NASCAR team to be a hundred percent black and majority black owned. Cause right now it's majority black owned. He's at least 51% owner. Bubba so it Wallace. is considered a okay. you know, black owned company and Bubba Wallace is his driver. And mm-hmm. then, you know, his front office managers and all his staff are all, you know, people of color. So, you know, in the past, you, 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 you're, you're right. We didn't get to see a lot of people that have, you know, capital invested back in the community. But like with Robert Smith, uh, you know, he did something monumental, paid for yes. $127 million of those yes, kids that graduated yes. from a historically black school. You yes. have somebody yes. like a Deion Sanders who decide who turned down a, a you know, uh, several coaching jobs with bigger schools to go to Jackson State at an HBCU and has already putting plans together to turn the stadium into a stadium like Division I-A schools. And like I said before, what has happened is we're now closing that wealth gap because we're getting the education needed to make the godly decisions, as I like to call them, as opposed to the good decisions. See, when Black people are uneducated about money, we make good decisions. We invested, we saved, we buy buildings and things of that nature. Well, we never went back and bought the block that we grew up on. We are fighting for a block that our mama was renting. Yes. Yes. But we never go back and take our money and buy that block back. And see, now we're getting educated on what they've been hiding from us because you could do it too. They just didn't want us to know it and understand it. You know, the rich kept it to themselves. Right. Absolutely. And, And I believe, and this is just simply me, I believe that people like the list that Kenny Hendricks was just showing us. I don't see them going to the masses. I don't see them going to the masses saying, look, this is my challenge. This is how I want to invest my money. I'm looking for people like you. I'm looking for people like the Andre Blassing Games, the Intentional Talk Radio Networks, the uh, uh, Shondell Wilhite, the people who are really, really out there who are making a difference, making a change. And as we say all the time, in other ethnicities, they don't have to know how much of an uplift you need. They're there to uplift regardless. Regardless. Yeah. And that is not what we do. That, And I don't want to say that that's not in our DNA, because I think that it is. It is in our DNA. DNA. We fight it. Because we have this, this obligation to someone else or we have this idea that we don't need to do that. I'm not doing that. I may not get my money back. I'm not doing that. And unfortunately, it reverberates around the world. We don't do for each other. We don't respect one another. We don't trust one another. We don't have the dignity with one another. We talked about the two girls that I I hate to even mention them, but we talked about them. And then I was sent some information about both of them, as a matter of fact. And one, one of the girls has some background at USC, although she graduated from Texas Southern. So we, we, I, was, I was quite surprised. She graduated from Texas Southern. The other one, she probably hasn't finished high school, but she's a history buff. So we have people that say, you know what? Maybe they're not so bad after all. I can't get to the history buff because I see her. I can't get to anything else right. that she does or says because I see her. I can't, I, I just can't do it. Whether she knows anything about history or not. I see what she puts out there. That stops me. There's no way to have a conversation with her because she doesn't speak English for one. But she sure knows how to twerk and make things look really vulgar and make, to me, make herself look real bad, me and other folks. So we're not looking at all of those issues. We're looking at, well, look at that. There's more to us than being clowns. 
There's more to us than the minstrel show. There's more to us than the step and fetches. There's so much more to us. We have dynamics that have not, dynamics and dimensions that have not been tapped into. And if we don't tap in, if we don't do something about that, then why should someone else? This is true. This is true. Man, this has been powerful. It has. Oh, oh, we. you know what? I'm actually going to continue this conversation. I'm going to talk about something different next week, uh, but we're going to continue this. I'm going to table this and add that in uh, for next week. Hopefully I can get my, my special guest speaker to come on next week as well. So, uh, you know, if, if, if he can get clearance from, from NASCAR, you know, official Kirk Price, is going to come in. If you know anything about Kurt Price, you can Google him. Kurt Price is a, one of the one of the people that took a knee and saluted during a, a NASCAR match about a year ago in Charlotte, uh, in the midst of Breonna Taylor and Floyd and, and um, George Floyd incident that was happening. And he's a former uh, military vet, and so um, and, and he's a great friend of mine. So if I can get him on the show, if he's available next week, it's going to be awesome. But if not, we're still going to table. We're still going to have the rest of this conversation. So, but man, Colette, thank you for coming on today and being here today. So, Andre, um, you, don't, you don't ever have to thank me. I enjoy it. I think you are a fantastic host, and I love riding on your coattail. You <laughs> are a fantastic host. You really. Oh are. man, man! If y'all can see me out there, man, I'm blessing. So. <laughs> We're going to go ahead and end the segment with some good news you can use. I came across an incredible quote today, and and I had to share it. I've already shared it on my social media, but I got to share it with my podcast family. It's from Maya Angelou. Nothing succeeds like success. Get a little success, and then just get a little more. I'm going to say that again. Nothing succeeds like success. Get a little success. And then just get a little more. And so next week, we're going to talk a little bit more about Mindful Eating for the Beloved Community. We're going to continue this, this conversation about the people with, with the capital and the Black community, investing in the Black community. And we're going to talk more about bringing this race and social change to the food community. So I love you. Laugh a lot. Love a lot. Hug your loved ones. And have an incredible, incredible day. This has been The Recipe. The recipe. You Monday Many with months. Coach Chef Dre Blast. Thank you, Colette and Kenny. You guys are outstanding. Thank you. You are as well. Have a good night, all. Take care. And you have been listening to the Intentional Talk Radio. Don't go away. Stick and stay, as Kenny Hendricks always says, because we've got shows this afternoon. You're going to hear from Dr. Godwin Orkay and also from Dr. Corliss Bennett, Mindful Mondays. So we've got a great show lined up for you this afternoon. Remember, you can get us on all of your podcast platforms, Amazon, Pandora, Spotify, Stitcher, Simplecast, Black Talk Radio Network, and so many others. So come on back. Don't go away. Stick and stay. Get your cold drink, a warm drink, a little snack, and come on back. We've got more shows. So remember, this is where we talk to you for you, with you, and about you, and it is all good. So be careful out there. You know they say COVID is rearing its ugly, ugly head. Don't go too many places without a mask. Just stay home if you can. Be very careful because we want to talk to you, with you, for you, and about you, and it is all good. Have a good evening, folks. We'll see you shortly.